talking today about one of the results of prayer. Last week we talked about prayer, but uh, A.T. Pearson, a great uh, theologian from about 100 years ago, he said this, he's often quoted in our day, he said, there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. And uh, that's why we talked about prayer last week. We want to talk about revival and spiritual awakening this week. And, but it's a result of that. Uh, but um, just in starting, I mean, just the, the thought this, as we're talking about being in his presence. There, there's something is going on in West Michigan by the grace of God, and it makes me emotional even to talk about it, because we've been praying pretty consistently for revival and spiritual awakening groups of us for the last almost 10 years now. And about three months ago, this group of Gen Z, 20-year-old type young people, approached us. They said, your prayers are resulting in what's happening among us today. And it's, it, I can't, don't have time to get into all the specifics, but it all started in a dorm room at Cornerstone University with a good friend now of mine called Brennan uh, Joseph. He's just a 20-some-year-old dude that was going to Cornerstone in his dorm room for four hours. He's on his knees, just overwhelmed with the presence of, of Christ. And that's where this whole thing started. And now they're on nine campuses, and it's spreading to others. And all summer long, they're sending teams of people all across the country to share the gospel. These, these 20-year-olds are just on fire for Jesus. Uh, and the, the, the ministry, uh, it, you know, every heart movement is the thing. You can, you can Google that thing, and a division of that is, is uh, met by love and uh, I'm telling you, I've been a Christian longer than these young people have been alive, but I get convicted when they begin to share their passion for Jesus. And it's just so exciting. He is answering prayer for revival. So we're going to spend a few minutes this morning talking about revival. We're With time as it is um, and the shortness, we've got to be done by 7.30. I may go a little faster than I normally go, but it'll be fun. All right. What is revival? What spiritual awakening? Glad you asked. Is it just, you know, getting a big tent and getting together? No, it's a little bit more than that. <clears throat> J.I. Packer put it this way. He says, revival is God's quickening of his people, touching their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. My friend Bill Elliff, pastor from Little Rock, Arkansas, he says this, his revival is God in great graciousness opening the windows of heaven to wash and purify his church and set her back on mission. And I put a little note at the bottom. I said, you know, if, when we talk about revival, again, it's used in a variety of ways, but in a, in a technical sense, you can only revive something that's already vived, and vived means alive. And that's what happens to the church. So just look at this circle for a second here. This is kind of a cycle of spiritual awakening. We're supposed to be at the top of this circle, uh, involved in worship and mission and fully engaged. And God, I'll do anything like these young people I just talked about. They say, what, where do you want us to go? They're going to Alaska. I mean, they're going all over for Jesus. Anyhow, God wants us to be there. But over a period of time, we begin to decline. Oh, yeah, well, 
um, yeah, everything's fine. We'll, we'll just pay the professionals to, to share the gospel, and we'll just do have our fun. And, you know, it's not evil to have fun, but, I mean, that's, that becomes our, our idol. The next thing, the next house, the next cottage, you know, the, whatever. You know, this is, it's all about me and my comfort. And, and so we begin to decline. And then God, in love, brings discipline and judgment to a nation, to a city, to, an, to individuals, us. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. It's not out of hate, it's out of love. And, and nations that don't then respond go to the dustbin of history. But if we respond, then we cry out. The, the Christians begin to cry out, and that leads to revival among the believers. They become revived, and that then leads to awakening, a spiritual awakening in the culture. And then we get back to the top where we're supposed to be. Well, I really sense that we're, we're seeing some of the stuff on the left side of that circle happen. And a lot of it's based in Grand Rapids. This is incredible what God's doing. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, God. Amen. So, you know, I used to think that, that America was pretty much a Christian nation until 1960. How many of you were alive in 1960 and aware of, you know, the Vietnam you know, stuff? I was in Chicago that one summer when uh, there's just people arrested and I, I was looking out the window of an apartment and the police hitting people on the head you know, with these nightsticks and it was ugly. I attended law school in the uh, uh, 70s, uh, late 60s, early 70s. And I mean, one, the first year of law school, they, they made the second semester, they made exams optional because so many students had been arrested for protesting the Vietnam War. I mean, it was crazy time. Anyhow, I assumed that, that's, that America was basically a Christian nation until then. Wrong. Here's all the awakenings we've had. You know, first, second, Great Prayer Awakening, Welsh Revival, Azusa Street, Canadian Revival, Jesus Movement, and I guess I wish we had time to talk about each one. We, what we don't, but... But, uh, and I'm going to skip over this question right now because I want to keep moving here. But before the Second Great Awakening, believe it or not, this is in the late 1700s when we thought America was just all Christian. Look at this. Our nation was weary of war, of course. They were just done with the uh, Revolutionary War. Alcoholism was epidemic. A lot of people were addicted to booze. Didn't have a lot of drugs in those days, but a lot of alcohol. Immorality widespread. A woman in America was not safe to walk the streets of cities at nighttime in America in the late 1700s. Muslim terrorism, yes. They, uh, the Muslims would, would, would capture people that were in the Mediterranean, Americans and others, hold them at ransom. Money was actually uh, given from federal government, from Congress and so on, was sent to, to get some of those people out of, out of uh, their captivity. They took a poll at Harvard University. Harvard was, was created to train pastors. Late 1700s. How many of you guys are Christians? Zero. They went to Yale. How many of you are Christians? Okay, two of us will call ourselves Christians. The rest of us, no. I mean, the whole stuff of the French Revolution was coming to our country. Of, yeah, free. It's kind of what we have today. Got to do what you feel. Defund the police. Get rid of religion. Let us do what we want to do. Those thoughts just keep coming back. And American church is lifeless and in decline. The chief justice of the Supreme Court said, I think the church has maybe 20 years left and it'll be done. 
And then the remnant began to cry out, Christians, in fervent prayer, repent of their sins and say, we'll do whatever you want. The result of the Second Great Awakening, look what happened in the Second Great Awakening, my friends. In many places where the gospel was preached, uh, God's power fell from heaven. I mean, people were on their faces because of the presence of God. I, again, I wish I had time to talk about some of the specifics. It's just, it blows you away what happened. While American population increased four times, church membership increased ten times. Thousands of new Christians, many new churches. The largest missions movement in history was fueled. Social action sparked child labor laws, anti-slavery, women's right to vote, etc. Revival swept across college campuses. By 1802, 25% of Yale came to Christ. Half of those went into full-time vocational ministry. Same thing at Harvard, sorts of things. Money, this, I love this last one. The money donated to charities exceeded the federal budget in 1834. Hello. Just give me a trillion dollars. It's, you know, we'll, we'll take care of things. But, uh, I mean, compared to today. All right, so, but here's what happened. Remember that circle that we had? The impact of the Second Great Awakening lasted for a number of decades until about 1840, then what happened, in, like what happened in Israel after the death of Joshua and those godly men and women of his generation, a younger crowd came that didn't pursue God with the same fervor. And they began to decline. That's what happens. We, we go on that circle. We've been there in America. God help us to keep going and to repent and to pray and to, to see what they've seen happen in the past. And so in America, this happened, godlessness, immorality, chaos returned, but then in 1857, a severe financial crisis came, and it's often, often through pain that God gets us to the end of ourselves. Say, whoa, wake up. The remnant rose up with prayer and obedience. A humble businessman, Jeremiah Lanfear, played a huge part of this in New York. There's a two-minute video we're going to see. Maybe some of you have seen this. Need a little audio. Rumors of war. In three years, Americans would turn on each other and make history. But in 1857 New York City, history, the kind textbooks don't mention, was already happening. The date was September 23rd. A Christian layman named Jeremiah Lamphere held his first ever businessman's prayer meeting in Lower Manhattan. It was not, by all accounts, a rousing success. He passed out flyers for weeks. Six men attended. Two weeks later, the stock market crashed. Thousands of families lost all they had, and one of the greatest spiritual awakenings the world has ever seen began. Week by week, Jeremiah Lamphere's tiny lunch hour prayer meeting grew larger and larger. By December, his six men had become 10,000 men, and they met not every week, but every day. The New York newspapers took notice, and when word spread to other cities, spontaneous revival broke out across the country. In Cleveland and St. Louis, thousands of people packed downtown churches and theaters three times each day just to pray. In Chicago, churches had to have waiting lists for people wanting to teach Sunday school. And all across America, pastors were baptizing 20,000 new believers every week. The revival eventually spread around the world. In England, entire towns were converted. Some towns disbanded their police force because of a lack of crime. And so many people came to Christ, churches had to hold services outside just to accommodate the crowds. The world had seen nothing like it, before or since. Global revival. God started it with one man 
It changed the course of history. And now, in today's world, people need to know, can history repeat itself? Can it happen again? What do you think? Can it? Yes or no? Amen. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's been other movements of God, uh, Welsh Revival and, and others, and the Jesus Movement. Remember that? We just saw the movie, The Jesus Revolution, great movie. Uh, the American church, though, has drifted to sleep again. Although I'm excited, you know, Asbury, but I'm seeing it even locally here, what God is doing. We talked about that. Um, and elsewhere in the world, you know, just real quick here, this is the growth of the church in China. Uh, as trends continue, there may well be more Christians in China than America as the trends continue. Why? Because America's statistics, at least in the recent past, have not been real positive. I won't go through each one of these, but the American church, by contrast, at least within the last few years, has been kind of in a decline mode. And part of that is because we Christians have more been influenced by our culture than we have been the salt and the light to it. Uh, are there any divorces in the church, family breakups, pornography, extramarital sex, cohabitation, births out of wedlock, abortion in the church? Yes, unfortunately. Living for my comfort, my stuff, love of this world, prayerlessness, biblical illiteracy, sharing our faith, nor making not sharing our faith and making disciples like we're all supposed to be doing. Um, just some of the things. And here's the thing. I mean, it's so tempting for us to say, if we could just get the right guy in the White House and so on. Again, I'm all about, I understand government, but government is a lagging indicator of the culture, which is a lagging indicator of our effectiveness uh, as the church and our being a salt and a light. We can't wait for government to fix our country, and uh, we've got to be the salt and the light. All right. And again, you know this verse, we see it quoted a lot. When I shut up the heavens so there's no rain, command the locusts to devour the land, send pestilence. If my people, not the non-Christians, you can't blame non-Christians for behaving like non-Christians. But when I behave like a non-Christian, that's a problem. If my people, called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. This is a quote by uh, one of my buddies, Erwin uh, Lutzer from uh, Moody. If we were few in number, we might evade the blame. But there are tens of thousands of evangelical congregations, several million born-again believers in America, yet we continue to lose crucial battles. And this is a zinger. Perhaps the church doesn't suffer for the sins of the world as much as the world suffers for the sins of the church. Ooh, ouch. But yes, it's got to start with us. There's not, a, there's not a plan B, people. Don't wait for government to fix America. It, it won't happen. It's got to start with, we need righteousness to exalt a nation. Okay, we need to pray and obey quickly as the Spirit prompts. There's never been a spiritual awakening, I quoted this earlier, in any country or locality that did not begin in united prayer. So we're going to get to discussion here. i got a couple slides, but this is the first one. At your tables, what do you think is the problem with the American church? We've had incredible freedom to share the gospel, but the church has been in decline. Maybe it's starting to come back. What more do we need to do? And just a question, do we need persecution? I mean, China's growing, Iran's growing, North Korea. I mean, the churches in these countries where they face death, it's torture, persecution, death, whatever, the church is growing because people say it must be real for you to be willing to, to die for your faith. 
and that leads others to come. But in this country, it's so easy, blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, do we need persecution to challenge us to be all in with Jesus, or can we get there another way? Is God, in wanting revival here in the U.S., possibly allowing opposition against us? I mean, there's some legal op Oh, you believe marriage is between a man and a woman? You are a hater. You're awful. You should be in jail. Now, that's a, that kind of opposition is beginning to grow. Not that we're supposed to hate back at all, but be willing to whatever. But, uh, okay, discuss this around your table for a few minutes, then I got one other slide for some more discussion. Go for it. All right, I'm sorry to interrupt, um, and I'd love to hear your conclusions. It'd be neat if we had time to take each table. I know, I know, and you can keep talking, but we got another slide I want to uh, at least throw out here. And again, keep, if you need to keep talking on the first one, you may do so. But then to bring revival and spiritual awakening to West Michigan, what do you sense God is calling you as an individual to do? Uh, possibilities to pray more daily for revival become more willing to quickly obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit in your life even if it might be embarrassing or painful or worse or whatever and then for you after you kind of go around your the circle there to what you sense if you do if you don't just say you know I, I got to pray about it more whatever just be real but then to pray with faith uh, for revival and awakening uh, in starting here in, in West Michigan and moving across our state, across our nation, across our world. Every prayer is important. So please pick this, this thing up right now. Thank you.